This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics, all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Welcome to another To The Point podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Sarah Gillespie. I'm the Compliance Director at Lipscomb & Pitts Insurance in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have with me Stacey Barrow, our ERISA attorney from Marathas, Barrow, Weatherhead & Lent. Hey, Stacy. Hey, Sarah. Good morning. So I wanted to ask you some questions today on MLR rebates. Um, it is early October, and those had to have been issued if they were due by September 30th. And so we're getting a whole lot of questions from employers. And I thought maybe it would be helpful if you and I could record a conversation that would help them understand what these are and what to do with them. So MLR stands for Medical Loss Ratio. And I'm hoping, Stacy, that you can explain what this is and give us some background on how they came to be. Sure. So uh, these MLR rebates, as they're referred to, are a creation of the Affordable Care Act. And they were put in place uh, to ensure that insurance carriers uh, demonstrate value for their premiums. Um, And basically, um, if an insurance company's medical loss ratio falls below a certain minimum level, and that's either 85% in the large group market or 80% in the small group market, then um, they need to provide a rebate to enrollees. In other words, the a large plan, uh, the carrier needs to spend at least 85 cents on the dollar uh, on health care claims or health improvement activities. Um, 80% in the small group market. Um, there are many carriers around the country that um, are pretty good at pricing the planes and, and don't issue these rebates. And there are other carriers that um, maybe had more volatility. And as it turns out, they do owe a rebate on certain lines. And so you may see it from some carriers one year and not the next. Um, you may see it from the same carriers year over year. Um, but that's the general concept of um, what they are and how they work. I know in our market, we typically don't see carriers in the large group market having to give rebates. It typically is going to be in the small group market with the 80% threshold. So I don't know if that's the same across the country, but that's usually what we see. Um, Okay, so Stacey, if an employer receives a check, an MLR check, what are the first steps that they should take upon getting that? Um, well, they should determine exactly what plan or policy it's uh, it's for. Um, sometimes employers will have more than one benefit option. Sometimes the the, the check will be clear um, as to which policy it's for, and sometimes it will be less clear, and you may need to just you know make a good faith attempt or um, you know something like that. Um, but that's the that's the first step, you know, is just to figure out um, you know what policy it goes towards, and then you would figure out how much of that rebate um, is attributable to employee contributions um, and whether any of that had to be shared back with participants. So 
you know, not only would you want to figure out what plan is covered by the the check, you know, where it should go, but you should also review the terms of that plan because the plan might be drafted to say that the employer can keep the rebate. Um, it's not impermissible for an employer to draft a plan to say that any, any rebates will be the property of the employer. Um, if the plan is silent, however, then you know, we look to the general notion of property rights and we look to see, you know, well, what is the, you know, what is the, what have the employees paid for coverage? Have they paid, you know, a percentage of, of the cost of coverage? Um, if so, then some of that rebate would be attributable to employee contributions and, and should be shared back with employees. So I, I failed to mention this in the beginning, but when you're getting these back, they are based on the prior plan year. And so employers that are getting these checks uh, now, which is 2019, it's based on the plan year in 2018. So when Stacy's talking about, you know, the de- determining which part is the plan asset and what portion would go back to employees, you're referring to your contribution strategy from the prior plan year. So, Stacy, once they have the rebate, once they've decided what plan or policy it applies to and they know how much they need to give back, what do they do with it? What are the options? Um, the options generally are, you know, when, once you've determined that there is an amount that is due back to participants, then, um, you know, we typically see it shared either in the form of a premium reduction or just a cash rebate. Um, you know, you could instead try to apply the employee share of the rebate to a benefit enhancement, but, you know, it might be hard to demonstrate. And, you know, that would be something like lowering the plan's deductible or lowering the plan's coinsurance, not adding a wellness program. Okay, so... um so I want to talk about the two main options that I feel like employers feel that they have. So one, returning a check to everybody, and two would be offsetting future premium. I think those are probably most generally the ones that employers explore. So if you're going to return a check, is there a size threshold? Well, let me just say, is there a size threshold maybe for one or the other? Like if you get a certain amount, you really should give it back by check versus using it to offset future premium. No, there's literally no difference. Um, it is the same thing. It, it results in the same amount of taxable income, whether you're using it as a premium reduction or um, as a cash rebate. As an example, if we're going to give people a cash rebate and it's $25, then you're going to get $25 that's taxable income to you. If the um, rebate is in the form of a premium reduction, then your premium contribution is going to be $25 less that pay period, which results in $25 more being in your paycheck, which gets paid out subject to taxes. So there's, it's literally no difference. It's entirely up to the employer as to whether they want to give it back as cash or um, as a premium reduction. Okay, so having walked through this with employers over the last several years that these have existed, um, it seems to me that, of course, the option is up to the employer, but 
trying to figure out how to distribute checks back to former participants can be a bit cumbersome because if you're looking at how to distribute a check, you know, you have to figure out what the amount is, but then what participation tier were they part of? Did they have dependent coverage? Was there a different contribution amount that was to employee only versus employee plus child say, and then figuring all of that out. I don't believe that you have to get super detailed as long as it's quote unquote reasonable and what is it reasonable and fair that, yeah. you know, you can you can figure it all out maybe without so much headache. But I find that employers who want to distribute checks get into the minutia and get lost by the weeds of it all and wish that they had done the premium holiday. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I mean, it really depends on, you know, how they're. Um, how granular they want to get with the allocation. I mean, I think it's it's fair to say, um, you know, the ones that are that are cutting checks, uh, perhaps get a little more into the minutia. Um, but, but again, I mean, it really is whatever's easiest for your organization. Um, in terms of you know how do you allocate the rebate, you know any reasonable method should be respected. Anything that you can say, look, we feel this is the best interest of participants. You know, at our company, it's an 80-20 split, whether you're in single or family. And so we're just giving one amount. You know, we've looked at it and it's the minimum amount anyway. It's going to be $12 per employee. We're just going to, you know, reduce premiums by $12 within the next 90 days or so. Um, and, uh, you know, there'll be a one-time shot or, you know, we'll just give it as a line item on their paycheck. Either way, it's the, you know, the same from the company's perspective. Okay, it's true. I suppose some of those details do need to be considered to determine, you know, how difficult or easy it might be for your options. But talking about using the rebate towards uh, offsetting a future plan premium, can that be toward uh, the participants who are on the plan at the time the rebate is issued? Do you have to make an effort to identify former plan participants or how would that work? There, there's not really a one-size-fits-all approach, but I think a lot of employers, after they kind of review their facts and take a look at it for themselves, you know, they, they may come to the determination that the way we're going to make this distribution is to give the, to all current participating employees you know, who are in the plan at the time the rebate is received. And we do that every year. And so if you're a new hire and you've been in the plan for one day, you might get a, a rebate. Um, you know, and, you know, if you're, if you leave the company, you know, the day before the rebate is provided, then you're not going to get a rebate. And if you're on COBRA, you're not going to get a rebate. Um, you know, again, I mean, there's not, there's not a one size fits all approach. I couldn't tell you that there's never a situation where you, know, you might review the facts and say, yeah, you know, here, we need to give this to COBRA participants. But I think in, you know, in most cases, you probably get comfortable just providing it to the the current plan participants at the time you you provide the rebate. Okay, so going with that approach, I feel like a lot of the questions that we seem to come across are related to, well, how much? So if you, in your example, say you guys had that 80-20 split and 20% is the portion that's attributable to participants, then is it, um, does it have to be 20% or greater 
that is returned to them? Is there like any kind of rule that if you returned only 18%, you have breached your duty and uh, that's unacceptable? Well, again, I mean, you've, so we've assumed that you've identified the plan the rebate applies to, you've looked at the plan documents, you've made the determination that a portion of this money belongs to employees, and your determination is 20% of this money belongs to employees. You can't give 18% back. I mean, okay, I mean, that's what I know, figured, what but I had that question. The yeah. um, there's a word for that. Um, but no, you, you, you couldn't, you know, you, the employer could not return any more than that amount to their general assets. Okay. But it would always be okay for the employer to apply the entire rebate to offset employees' shares of the contribution, right? Can always be more oh, generous. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I had an employer say that last year they had two different plans that were covered by this carrier's rebate. And one of them had a contribution where the employees uh, contributed 25% and one they contributed 35%. And so they wanted to apply um, the, the future plan premium holiday and they weren't sure how to come up with an amount. So since one of them had 35% and they just wanted to do one amount for everybody, could they do 35% for everybody? Because I know you can't do yeah. less than 35. So yeah, I would think that'd be fine. Yeah, all um, these different kind of questions. Okay, what about so what about tax considerations? You spoke a little bit about that just a second ago. But what happens if? Um, well, when is it taxable and when is it not? Let me ask that question. It's always taxable. Okay. Does so, that make it easy? Yeah, that does make it easy. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's taxable even when it's in the form of a premium reduction because it just means that more money stays in your paycheck. So it in, in you know is subject to tax. And so the premium reduction, of course, isn't taxable, but the money you get as a result of the premium reduction is taxable. Sure. Sure, that makes sense. Okay. Um, is there a time limit for the distribution of this rebate once the employer gets it? Yeah, so technically, um, ERISA plans are supposed to distribute the employee share of the rebate within 90 days, um, or uh, the it should be held in trust. Okay. Well, so... Just because I know you get a whole lot of MLR questions, are there any questions that you've been asked that you think it might be helpful to share or to explain while we're talking about this? Um, no, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe one thing just to keep in mind that I tell my, my clients is that, you know, any reasonable method, um, you know, should be respected um, allocating the rebate as long as you're, you know, acting in the best interest of participants, then, um you know, you, the, I think the allocation method should be respected upon audit. Okay. That was kind of my understanding, but I feel like employers just think that can't be, that there must be more rules than that. And that's why we keep getting more questions, detailed questions about what to do with it all. Um, okay. What about, what about documentation? 
Is there any documentation record that they need to keep in files? And if so, how long? Um, there's no express documentation requirements. Um, Would this come up in an audit? How did you distribute your MLR rebate of 2016 it, it could, or something yeah. like that? Um, it, it could, yeah. It could be part of a group health plan audit conducted by the Department of Labor. You know, I would just, you know, make a make a note to file of, you know, your allocation methodology and, you know, when it was distributed, when it was received. Um, you know, the ERISA statute limitations around six years, so you could keep it for six years or so. Okay. All right. Well, I think this is all helpful uh, information. And really, I think that the underlying uh, message of this whole conversation is that there are rules, but there are not a lot of rules. And so as long as what you have decided to do is reasonable, fair, makes sense, and you document it and are able to share why you did what you did, it should go. So Stacy, thanks for walking us through all of this. I really appreciate your time on this. And I know that employers will find this conversation helpful. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sarah. Have a good day, everyone.